0: Welcome to the Teacher and the Preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. I'm the teacher,
1: Hal Berman.
2: And I'm the Preacher Dave Megira. Thank you for joining us again on this particular episode of The Teacher and the Preacher. We value your listenership. We have been in a very interesting and unique conversation. In fact, it's a conversation that really hasn't taken place for a couple of thousand years. And that's a conversation between a Christian pastor and an Orthodox Jew regarding things of both faiths that not only have united us, but also those things that have been historically divisive. And so we've waded into this particular topic because we are willing to go where angels fear to tread. And that is, what do Jews think about Jesus? Now, how? if you remember, we, we, we're in part three on this. If you guys uh, who are listening uh, have not had a chance to catch the previous recordings or episodes, you can go to our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com and catch it there. Or you can go to Spotify or iTunes or Google Podcasts. But You're going to want to catch up with this uh, topic. And so we were basically just responding to a question from a listener, weren't we? We
1: were. And the listener basically just said, and he was very respectful, which I I have to say is not always the case when I get questions like this. Uh, But he said, I just want to understand what does Hal believe about Jesus. In other words, as a Jew. And for those of you who have been with us the last two episodes, and if you haven't, I urge you as as Dave did, go to Spotify, Google podcasts, uh, go to iTunes and listen to those two episodes, because we we really take this apart. uh, What do Jews believe, first of all, before you even get to Jesus, uh, that it's not, that's not the only thing that uh, is the dividing line, the demarcation between Christians and Jews. Uh, So so what exactly does it mean to be Jewish before you even get to Jesus? And then we we talked about some of the parallels in Second Temple times, if you look at the Jewish sages of that time, and then you look at what Jesus said, and and there's some really interesting parallels. And those are the kind of things we, we, we talked about. We'd also talked about how Jews tend to have more of an issue with Paul than actually with the teachings of Jesus. So we wanted to continue with this and talk this week about, this is our, we, we could probably do 10 episodes on this, but we're going to limit it to three for now. And uh, we, we thought we would just kind of round this off and talk about some of these other issues and how do Jews actually view Christianity? What what Where is the meeting of the minds that can take place here? And, and also maybe get back into some of those very interesting parallels between what we find in the writings of the sages and even some of the prayers that Jews say and some of the things that Jesus said. Exactly. You know, one of the things that I'll just remind our listeners about is
2: that, you know, Jesus was a Jew. He was always a Jew. He was uh, born to a Jewish couple. He was uh, raised in a Jewish home. He was an observant Jew, studied Torah, um, we have done him a great disservice in in the framework of christianity many times because we've stripped him of his jewishness and this is a piece that really comes into play here in this conversation because he he's 100% jewish and the jews don't push back at all about whether or not jesus was uh, a real person whether or not he was born in bethlehem raised at nazareth whether or not he was an observant jew and and and, and uh, grew to be a a rabbi, a phenomenal teacher. Those those are not even issues. But one of the things that we've endeavored to do in this series is to talk about those things that do become a bit more divisive. And that's why I think this is such a good conversation, Hal, because as you mentioned, there's so much similarities. For instance, you know, one of the things you talked about is with the parallels between Jesus and the sages. And we tend to think of Jesus as being more isolated away from those who he was constantly engaged with, because the reality is that Jesus himself was a Pharisee. And so the interaction between uh, other Pharisees, Sadducees, I mean, the New Testament talks about this, and the sages, there is so much that is happening there in conversation, dialogue. And of course, Jews have got strong feelings about all kinds of things, many times so much so that the, the same person will have two different opinions, so we have we have that going on here in the conversation, but this what really sets this piece apart, and I think what we've tried to target is, okay, what do Jews really think about Jesus? And it really comes down to not whether or not he was a controversial Jew as much as maybe his divinity. So could we go back and talk for just a minute, kind of pick up where we left off about the term that's been given to him as Mashiach or Messiah, because for our listeners, many times we we may hear that word and think of one meaning when maybe that's not exactly the same meaning that actually is connected
1: with it. So and, and we've done this on a number of episodes, uh, this theme that we call same words, different meanings, where many times Christians and Jews can be talking to one another and using the same terminology and they're actually talking past one another because they don't mean the same thing. Biblically, the word Mashiach comes from the root Hebrew root mashach. It really means to anoint, and it's about anointing with oil. So you see Kings are referred to as mashiach. They're anointed with oil. Priests are, uh, you don't think of priests as a messiah, but priests are called mashiach in the Bible, if when you go to the original Hebrew, because it's somebody who's anointed with oil. And obviously, it's not just the act of anointing with oil, but anointed, just like if you think of a priest or a king, for a specific purpose leadership role that's very special. Mashiach by itself doesn't say anything about, this comes later, but the word itself and often the context it's in 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 the Hebrew Bible doesn't say anything about what exactly the role of when we talk about the Messiah, what what the role is. It it doesn't actually delineate this, but it's really just a person who is anointed for a special purpose.
2: Right. And that's one of the things that we endeavor to use the Teacher and Preacher podcast uh, to inform people and educate people about more of the biblical realities in regards to not only the person of Jesus, but uh, various other things that uh, set Christianity apart as unique and Judaism apart as unique. And I think one of the values that maybe we bring to the table, Hal, is is really underscoring where we use the same words, but they have completely different meanings. So what we may think we're having a phenomenal conversation and we're really connecting, we realize that there is a complete different understanding from the terminology, from what i hear and from what you hear uh, versus uh you know J- jews and christians in 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 dialogue and i think this is really quite an eye-opening piece that a lot of a lot of christians can be misinformed about
1: well and another very important word is salvation and that's where jews and christians often mean something very different so there's obviously there's the christian idea of salvation and salvation through jesus But when you look at the word biblically, it's yesha, which from which Yeshua comes from. And you'll find this, by the way, Christian scholars will write about this, too. They will say exactly the same thing. Overwhelmingly in the Hebrew Bible, when that word appears, it's talking about a physical salvation. Now, it can have a spiritual component, too. But it's often talking about a physical uh, thing. And you you see that even in the Psalms in English, you know, God save me from my enemies. Uh, And it says there was no savior. Often the context is there was no one to rescue the person. So uh, what is, where do we find this Yesha? Well, the name that comes from that, the full name is Yahashua, Joshua. And this may sound funny to many Christians uh, or strange in that sense, Uh, Yeshua is really like a contraction of Yahushua. If you think about David and Dave or Joshua and Josh, Jesus' name in Hebrew was more like Josh. Uh, It was was almost like a nickname. It was a a contraction of the full word Joshua. And if you think about what Joshua did, this idea of salvation, he was all about physical salvation. He went out and conquered uh, the people of the land. It was all about this physical thing. So, which doesn't mean, uh, I'm not in any way negating the Christian interpretation, but I'm, I'm saying that Jews are looking at it through this biblical lens of, oh, well, this is what the word means. Christians are looking at it from a New Testament perspective. This is what the word means. And we're talking very often about two very different things, even though we're using exactly the same word. That's why, you know, many times a Christian might, might, come to a Jew a Christian who missionizes uh, which is a whole other topic and they might say you know have you been saved and for many Jews it's a, it, the question doesn't even make sense for a Christian it makes perfect sense but a Jew who's looking at it through what the word means from a Jewish lens is, is like what they're like what do you mean
2: yeah yeah and this is this is so good for us to have this conversation remember we're talking about what do Jews think about Jesus? We're not talking about what do Christians think. We're talking about what do Jews think about Jesus? So we have uh, same words, different meanings, but we also, when it comes to the prophecies, we have differing perspectives on the same prophecy. Let's talk about that just a little bit.
1: So I've gotten the question you know, the, the the listener who provoked this series of episodes, uh, he asked very politely. I've, I've gotten less politely asked uh, more than <laughs> once, you know, that, well, you know, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. How can you deny him? That, that kind of thing. And what's important to recognize, I have a friend, uh, Gabe, in Oklahoma, and if he's listening, I hope I'm not embarrassing him. He, he's a devout, Christian. And we met actually during one of his visits to Israel. And Dave, we, we have a very similar relationship that you and I do. He and I talk regularly, and we'll talk about matters of scripture. And he's the son of a pastor. And he told me, you know, when I first came to this, there was a time where I I saw these prophecies. And I thought, how could a Jew look at this? And like, how could they not get it? How could this go right by them? I, I, I don't see how they could miss it. But then he began to learn about the Jewish understanding of these prophecies and what some of the Hebrew words mean, how Jews see it in context, that kind of thing. And he still believes exactly what he believes. He's a devout Christian, but the way he put it is, I can see how these interpretations of the prophecies are plausible. In other words, I may not agree with them, but I can see how... You know, you could look at this prophecy and and, and you could come away with that. And so I think that's for a Christian. That's very important to understand. It's not even a matter of right or wrong because we're never going to come to agreement. But it's a matter of maybe understanding that a lot of these prophecies, uh, particularly when you look at them in the Hebrew, they're multidimensional and they don't necessarily yield to one meaning. So I'll give an example. Actually, this is a very common example, uh, but there are many Well, first of all, I I should say that when you look at uh, these 300 prophecies, as it were, some of them Jews also see as messianic. But I I think every Christian would agree that the word Jesus does not appear anywhere in the Hebrew Bible. And Jews understand. will say for some of these prophecies, yes, it's about the Messiah, but it's about the Messiah to come. And they they don't necessarily see Jesus written into these prophecies. Some of the prophecies Jews do not see as messianic. And some of them, some prophecies have a dual purpose and they can be messianic and they can also mean about something else. So Isaiah 53 is actually a, 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 an, a, an example of that. But I'll give the example of Isaiah 714. Uh, everyone knows a, a virgin shall conceive. Now, the Hebrew word there is Alma which means young woman. It, actually, a, a Hebrew scholar recently said to me, it's more closer to maiden. It, it can have the connotation of virginity. It doesn't mean virginity. And uh, I've heard, for example, some messianics say, well, aha, the Septuagint uh, translates it in Greek as virgin. The only problem is when you go back to the story of Dina in the book of Genesis, after she's raped by Shechem, so she's clearly not a virgin, it uses the same word that Isaiah uses, almah, young woman, because obviously it's, she's not a virgin. And the Septuagint there uses the same Greek word that it used in Isaiah. So for a Jew, looking at this, they're not saying, oh, virgin birth. They're saying, a young woman shall conceive— And then if you look at going forward, Isaiah 15 and 7, 15 and 16, it says what's going to then happen, what the sign will be. So it's not about a virgin birth for for Jews. Now, I I realize some Christians may listen to that and, and say, seriously, of course, it's about a virgin birth. For a Christian who's seen it this way their whole lives, I understand it's about a virgin birth. But looking at the words of the Bible, Jews understand it very differently. And you could go through, we don't have time, but you could go through all 300 of these prophecies like this and say, okay, what do these words mean? What's the context? What is this driving at? And come to some very different ideas between Jews and Christians.
2: Great points. Great points. You know, one of the things is just a reminder, when we talk about these differences, and in particular, we're talking about the prophecies, the lens through which most Jews look through, they look through it as even a messianic prophecy, but they don't connect Jesus as the Messiah as they look at that, even though they, they view it as very messianic. The Christian, as you just pointed out, will look at, through a lens where the Messiah is automatically assumed as Jesus and think, wow, this is just such a great prophecy, it's a powerful prophecy, and arrive at their their point of view because that's the lens they look through. And the reality is that part of the whole process of spending three episodes on this topic is to help us to really understand better what Jews think about Jesus versus what Christians think about Jesus, you know? These are big pieces, and there, there is a new paradigm that is that is happening. Uh, just these kinds of conversations. You know, you, you and I start the broadcast or program off with uh, the fact that this conversation hasn't happened for 2,000 years. Jews and Christians are talking about things Bible, things uh, religiously, things that uh, have uh, kept us divided and walls. Between us, and here we are having these open, honest, blatant conversations—intentional conversations—and there's nothing like it out there. And and here we are talking about this. So it's it's a new day. It's a new paradigm. And I think that um, this is something that is being orchestrated by God Himself. I think He He really wants. Uh, his kids come together on a on a lot of these things that we have a shared heart about.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the big driving factors, maybe the primary driving factor, is the reestablishment of the nation of Israel. The Jews returning home to their own land, just as the prophets foretold, and this is put uh, Christians in a different relationship with Jews because they're not a wandering people, you know, eternally subjugated for thousands of years. They're now in their own land, just as Isaiah said, just as Jeremiah said, just as you can go through the whole host of prophets. And I have seen, for example, so many pastors, uh, who the ones, say, who, where they have a background in Hebrew— and it'll say in their bio, well, they studied for two years at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Uh, we have Christians who come to Israel now to, to learn Torah with Jews. This was unheard of 100 years ago. I mean, there might have been isolated examples here and there, but it's basically unheard of. And the difference is that now Jews are in their own land. It's, it, prophecy is literally unfolding. And Christians have a role in that too. The nations of the world ha- have a role in that. It's not, this isn't only about the Jews. There's, a, there's a, actually a much bigger uh, story here.
2: Yeah, that's, that's such a good point. I just think that for Christians that we have lost so much in being informed and educated about our, our Jewish roots, that we were birthed out of Judaism, and as we've talked about numerous times across our years of conversation, uh, the, the church has has paid an enormous price for cutting off the Jewish roots uh, of its of its Christianity. And that's, that's a big loss. That's a big loss.
1: Well, I'm going to say something maybe a bit provocative, but you, you said we're going where angels fear to tread. Uh, and that's, I think, to really understand the New Testament, it's important for a Christian to learn about Judaism. And the more they can actually see—this was a Jewish document written by Jews in the land of Israel in the era of the Second Temple— And it's about somebody who is Jewish, that er, almost all the people, not everybody, almost all the people in the New Testament are Jewish. So when the more you understand about Jewish practice, what Jews do, how they pray, the more things in the New Testament actually come alive. And I'll just, I'll give one example. There's an ancient Jewish prayer. It's said in Aramaic. We know it goes back at least the second temple times and it's called the Kaddish. It's a prayer that's said uh, in honor of the dead, although it never mentions the dead, it's only praises God. And it's said in many other places in the Jewish service, maybe the most uh, said prayer actually in all of Judaism. So then when we go to the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus said in Matthew, it's very striking. If you know about Jewish prayer, Matthew 6, first of all, he starts off, our Father who are in heaven. One of the most common ways to start a Jewish prayer in Hebrew is a shabbat shemayim, which means our Father who is in heaven. So when Jesus, and then when you know that, you know, well, when Jesus said this, he wasn't saying something that people hadn't heard before. He was actually, he was speaking to their hearts. They This was how they prayed. And then, you, it goes on. Okay. father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means sanctified to make holy. So hallowed be your name. Now, then you go to the Kaddish, this ancient prayer. And what do you find? It says um, glorified and sanctified be his great name. And in fact, this whole idea of God's name in in Jewish theology is a big thing. You notice Jesus didn't say Uh, you know, holy be God. He said, you know, hallowed be his name. This is actually a very Jewish idea. And then he says his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which the next line of the Kaddish, in the world which he created according to his will, may he establish his kingdom. It's the same idea, just flipped. So, we know from Jewish prayer of that time that there were forms of prayer, but it was a little bit fluid that people would then change things around. So there's no question that when Jesus is saying what's become known as the Lord's Prayer, he's saying something that we know is Kaddish, That's it came from the same source. And this was something that if he, he was saying to the people, you know, this is how you pray, because that was how people prayed Now, without knowing that, somebody can read it and just say, oh, this is a nice prayer that Jesus said. But when you know this, then, and there are hundreds of examples of this throughout the New Testament, that then you you say, oh, wow, this is where this came from.
2: Exactly.
1: Exactly.
2: Well, you know, in this particular episode, uh, time doesn't permit us to really get into this next piece. But uh, maybe before we run out of time, I could just provoke your thought. Uh, What do Jews think about the resurrection of Jesus this is a piece that you know uh, everything hinges on for christians if in fact Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he would do this becomes a huge you know foundational piece for christianity and as i said it's 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 too big of a topic to just you know give it a a quick blush, but nevertheless, it may be worth uh, a podcast in itself.
1: Yeah, I think it is, because I, I can I can answer very briefly. <laughs> but uh, first of all, this idea of resurrection of the dead is also a very Jewish concept. There's a prayer that Jews say three times a day called the Shemona Esrei. It's a series of blessings. And at the end of the second one, it's, blessed are you, God, who raises the dead. Jews say that three times a day. So this idea of resurrection of the dead is not foreign to Jews at all. Now, you can look, there's different ways to look at that. There's resurrection of the dead, looked at metaphorically. And then there's this idea of literal resurrection, which Jews, like Christians, Jews believe at the end of days, there will be a resurrection. There's even a passage in the Talmud about the idea of being buried in the land of Israel is better than being buried outside of the land of Israel, and I'm I'm saying it a little tongue in cheek, but it's essentially so that when the resurrection of the dead happens, you know, like you you don't have uh, you don't have to make this long trip, like you're there already, you know, you, you it's it's like more convenient in terms of resurrection. You don't you will not find religious Jews saying, "Oh, there's no such thing." Of course, it's a very Jewish concept. In terms of Jesus' resurrection specifically, again, there is a Jewish understanding. This is going to happen at the end of days. Um, I, I think Christians would implicitly say that Jesus didn't fulfill all of the prophecies because that's why we need a second coming. And that's because not everything's been fulfilled. So this, I I understand how it's central to the, the Christian faith, but I think for Jews... Uh, and again, we don't have time. There, there, there's issues in the New Testament that Jews will quibble with about, was it really three days, you know, according to the Jewish calendar? Uh, would a court have been convened uh, when it was actually a, a Jewish festival? There are, there are all these things uh, we could go over. You're right, it, d- it does need a whole other episode, but... I, I, the short answer is no, Jews do not believe that Jesus was, was re- resurrected. And and for the simple reason, the time hasn't happened yet. The Messiah hasn't come yet, which again, for a Christian, I understand, uh, can, can rub against the grain.
2: Look, we have just been having incredible dialogue about all these things, and in particular, the person of Jesus. And look, we always have what you and I value greatly, and that's dialogue, not debate. We learn from each other. We listen to each other. We we have a level of uh, respect and uh, and value and appreciate relationship. But we don't skirt uh, the issues. And that's such an important
1: piece. Well, and that's a real relationship. Yeah. I, I think there there was a time, 60s, 70s, where you had liberal Christian groups and liberal Jewish groups that would have what was called interfaith dialogue. And it was very much a feel-good, I'll generalize, but very much a feel-good kumbaya kind of session where, oh, we all have the same values. We're all the same. We can work for social justice together. And that has its place. But I think this new kind of dialogue among religious Jews and religious Christians is, dare I say, more authentic because we're coming as who we are. We're, we have a lot in common, but we're not saying that we have everything in common. We're not afraid to talk about in a respectful way what's different.
2: Yeah. It has a more of a depth and, and maturity to the conversation so. As we wrap up, I just want to remind our, all of our listeners that you can follow Hal and I on um, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can write us at the Teacher and the Preacher at Gmail, the Teacher and the Preacher at gmail.com. Check us out on our Facebook page, the Teacher and the Hal, it's been great to be with you. And with you. And until next time, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends, and may that same God bless America.
0: The Teacher and the Preacher will be back next Sunday for another discussion on how Christians and Jews can come to once again proclaim that the United States is truly a Judeo-Christian nation. To contact the Teacher and the Preacher, email them at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. That's theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and give you shalom.